is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. Very excited for our special guest today. But before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation podcast network. We always, always say if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it on the show. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our very special guest. You know him from the Better Rivals podcast, Oscar Aparicio. Oscar, welcome. It is fantastic to be on. Uh, I'm still curious as to how you got your parents to name you Stats as a middle name. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about that for a little bit, but because uh, they even included the quotes, which you know I thought was it was foresight from them, really. I really didn't have a lot of career options from birth, but you know, luckily it all worked out because here I am. Hey, you know, we're, we're all destined. So this is like worlds colliding here because you are the former Grand Poobah of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am the current Grand Poobah of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I felt like we were destined to do this at some point. Of course. You know, one of the things I do and have always loved about the Niners um, kind of ecosystem of pods is that like there's there's a lot of them. There have been over the years. Um, and, and I don't feel like it's, it's really adversarial with them. It's like, everyone kind of helps everyone out when they can, if they want to, you know, tips and tricks and stuff like that. It's like, I feel like there's a little bit for everyone. Everyone's got their own slice of the pod pie. And, um, you know, and so it's, I think it's, it's always good to lift up the people that are trying to do some good work. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think it's great. Love coming on, uh, the show, excited to be on, uh, excited to see how this goes and, and get back into the podcasting saddle. It's been a bit. I know. I, I was just talking to you before we press record. I can't believe you've pretty much gone cold turkey. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we ended the show uh, a couple of months ago, um, just after, I think, the Super Bowl. I forget exactly when we announced it, but the the review of the NFC Championship game was end of the road. You know, shout out boys to men. And that was the <laughs> uh, official last show of the pod. And have not um, have not potted. I've done like done little things here and there, but it's been, it's been weird. It's been kind of, uh, you know, I've got a lot of time picked up smoking. I just bought an offset smoker, uh, as a hobby. Um, you know, so, you know, you spend your time doing some other stuff. It's weird. Like I was at NBC until March of 2020 and got laid off because of COVID and didn't end up here until August. So during that time, like training camp is happening, stuff is going on. And I didn't know what to do with myself because I didn't have a job. So it was like some NFL story would break and I'd be like, what do I do with my hands? I didn't know how to like adjust. Have you gone through that? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, luckily, I still have uh, the space where people can, you know, deposit all manner of good and dumb opinion, which is Twitter. Um, and so I still have, <laughs> you know, my, my Twitter feed and still post there, um, although it's been more, you know, warrior stuff as of late. <laughs> Um, but I've also got, when we had the Patreon, we had a really lively group of, of folks that were part of the discord and part of the Patreon discord, um, loyal sets of listeners, some of which have been listening to the pod for the better part of seven, eight years. I mean, it was a 10 year run for the podcast. So, um, you know, and I've actually had beers with a few of them and, and, you know, so now it's, it's a community of, of people that we still keep up with. And so they've been subject to my, you know, rantings and rumblings at points. So I still have outlets luckily, but. That is really the coolest part about doing this is that there is a community of people and it's it's really been fun for me to become a part of that as I've stepped into this role, like you said, with the listeners and also with the other hosts of the other 49ers podcast, because I feel like the people that listen generally don't pick out one. They kind of listen to a bunch of 49ers podcasts. So like you said, there's some competition, but it's really more of a community. And I think that's a really cool thing. 
Yeah, I think everyone has their their angle and their slant, right? And you know, our, our show is very much, you know, analytics driven and film driven. And, you know, we, we have that we brought that element to our pod, but that wasn't for everyone. The way we talked about the game, the things we cared about um, wasn't for everyone. And some people wanted news. You go to Mayoko for news or you go to Here's the Catch for news. You know, like there's there's different slices that everyone kind of goes and everyone has their angle. And, um, you know, I think I think that's great. You know, content is good. You get to pick what you want and everyone's happy. On that note, the X's and O's side of things, you know way more about football than I do. I'm freely willing to admit that. Uh, I've gone onto the YouTube page. I've studied some of the videos that are up there. For someone that is looking to learn more about that side of it, how do you recommend they go about that? That is a really good question. And, you know, I, I think that there are, I mean, we, we, when we, end of the podcast, we put all of our Patreon videos up on the YouTube page. We're not going to update the YouTube page, so no new stuff is coming. But if you are interested in specifically Niner specific stuff, some of it at this point is a little bit outdated because it's got like, you know, Salah as defensive coordinator and whatnot. But um, we've got a really good series uh, about how to attack coverages, um, defend like what coverage shells are, how to identify coverage shells, some one-on-one stuff, some of Shanahan's base concepts from a couple years ago. Um, so for Niner specific stuff, that's a good place to start. Um, and then if you're looking for more general kind of football stuff, man, um, there's, there's just so much stuff out there that is, is really good. I, the, some of the narrative based books were really good for me. Um, so the, the games that changed the game was one that I thought was interesting because it mm. takes a holistic view of, you know, different games that were really, um, you know, they were fire starters for things that happened schematically throughout the league. Um, take your eye off the ball 2.0 is another big one that people often recommend, um, but if you're not into like books, um, man, it's been a while since like I, I grew up reading, you know, football grew up, uh, Chris Brown, smart football. Like that's where I learned a lot of stuff. So like find the person that is providing content that makes sense to you, um, read up, you know, do some studying, um, and just understand that the moment you think, you know, something you, there's probably nine different levels, uh, and, and it goes way deeper than you think it does. And just. Walk in humbly, seek to understand, and, and eventually you, you can stack some knowledge and almost sound knowledgeable because even now I think like I know very, I know like this much about this stuff, um, <laughs> even though like it, you know, I, I feel like we've got a, a pretty good base of knowledge, but there's still so much we don't understand. I was having a Twitter conversation with Chikwaski Tart the other day, and that's kind of what he was talking about, how so much of the criticism that they get is from people who don't know what they're talking about, which I think is fair. You, because your show was so analytical and so X's and O's driven, was there ever like kind of a, a bit of nerves here? Like I'm going in on this person or this play. Am I really sure I know what the responsibilities were? Yeah. So we, we talked about that a lot um, in the, in the pre-show prep and when we we're talking about videos and while there is a lot that goes into a given play and there's especially now coverages and, and the match coverages that you see, they have certain assignments and every coach will coach them a particular way, but there's still a certain, you know, width and depth of the field. And there's still general rules that you're going to need your players to, to get to in certain landmarks that they're going to get to, especially over time when you start to see things getting repeated. So, you know, I think that while what we, what we try to do is do a good job of saying like, this is probably his assignment. Like this is probably a hook curl player because otherwise there's no other hook curl player. And, and if this is indeed the hook right. curl player, then he, he busted. Right. And, and so that, that's where you can get to the point where you, you just have to go and say like, we think this is the case and it's okay to be wrong. Right. And sometimes that happens. 
Um, and, and I think that, you know, eventually though, you begin to recognize tendencies, you begin to recognize what they like to do in three by one situations and how they like to man up. And, you know, we, we were lucky enough to identify and get confirmation that this was a specific blitz package they like to run called the Kings package, um, where they, they ran it in certain situations and three by one with the running back line a certain way. Um, and so we knew when a player, we knew what the scheme was and we knew when a player messed up. And so we were able to confidently say like, yep, that's, that was wrong. Um, so, you know, over years, you kind of build that that base of knowledge up, which is helpful. But um, but absolutely, you know, what you're what you're doing is you're making an educated guess um, and just have to be transparent about that and say, like, this is why explain the why and then kind of go from there. Did you ever have any players reach out to you and say, hey, you were wrong about this or comment in any way? Not not players specifically. Um, no one ever reached out because like we we never really tried to like our, our thing wasn't really to, to go after the player, to go after the player's sake. Right. It was really to try to understand what and why and, and really understand why it happened. Um, the, so no player ever reached out and said specifically, we, I know that we have gotten some things wrong in terms of assignments because we found them out after the fact. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in those cases, you know, we've tried to, to, it's, it's difficult to do like retractions on podcasts, right? Because like <laughs> you, you can like go back and splice things in and, you know, if you're going to go that route sometimes we're already out, but, um, but yeah, like you, you try as much, you try to be as intellectually honest as you can. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's as good as you can be. I think there's also something from the player's perspective too, where it's like, of course they're going to defend themselves. If anyone is giving them crap, of course it right. is within their best interest. They're not going to say like, I mean, actually Jimmy Ward has said this a couple of times. Yeah, I busted that. Like that was my bad. Right. And, and good for him, but players aren't going to openly admit that. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I think it's, 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 it's a give and take with the media and stuff like that. And just got to, got to figure out where you fit. Cause there are definitely some name searchers on the 49ers. I'm convinced that there is just some players that fire up Twitter, search the name and bam, you know, good, bad, or ugly. They're reading it all. You got, they got Kevin Durant disease, you know, like they're just, <laughs> they're just going to find it. They're going to find it, whether it be with their burner, with their main one, they're going to get to it. They're going to read it. Um, and yeah, and I feel like, especially Jaquaski, cause he got, I, I still think Jaquaski could probably contribute positively to an NFL franchise. Um, and, and he got, you know, he, because he wasn't flashy and you, he, he didn't do a lot, he didn't have a lot of picks outside of like the one pick that he had, the one handed one against Carolina, which, which was, was amazing. Like an, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but I feel like, you know, he, he was just kind of like, you know, steady, like not fantastic, but not terrible, but just like steadily there. Um, you know, I feel like I could see how you'd want to defend yourself um, in those situations. I love that you said that. I literally, one of the questions I wrote down is, is Jaquaski Tart a good or bad player? And why can't we figure out why? <laughs> so <laughs> that that is the, the last part. Why can't we figure out why? I think is a really interesting question. It, I think that Jaquaski Tart is, um, it, so uh, I think if you think of the replacement level player as a concept, right, a player that you can sign off the street and play and plug in, and that's the level of play they provide you. Um, I think he is better than a replacement level player. And, and I think it depends on the scheme in which he plays. And I think the Niners scheme asks of Jaquaski Tart things that he does well. I think if you were if you were to ask him to play like true like middle of the field free safety wouldn't do well. Um, if you asked him to play more of like the honey badger role wouldn't do well. If you asked him to play in the slot probably wouldn't do all that well. But this kind of like, you know, split safety, like sometimes in the box, sometimes half field coverage, sometimes middle field, depending on the look, um, he can, he's versatile enough to do those things. Um, but he's not going to make a lot of splash plays. He's not going to make the plays that make the Twitter feeds and get retweeted and do that stuff. He's just like, he kind of plays a Simon sound. And then sometimes he doesn't. 
Um, and it's that kind of like better than replacement level, but we tend to focus on the bad stuff and we tend to like overvalue that stuff. And then there's no like super high level stuff that we can think of to, um, you know, that often happens and, and you end up getting like this weird skewed impression of his play. Um, but I think he was a, a fine safety and I think that he could still contribute um, for an NFL franchise, especially if you ask him to do certain things. Yeah, I'm really surprised that really he hasn't, nobody's even sniffing around Jaquaski Tart right now. I was under the impression that maybe they'd be able to bring him back on a, a very low contract, but it doesn't seem like that's something that they're thinking about at this particular moment. That's sort of one of my big questions is who is going to play alongside Jimmy Ward? Because I, I don't think that Talanoa Hufanga can do that in a full-time role. I think there is a role for him on this team, but full-time starting safety, I don't think is it. Do you agree? I think it's going to be interesting to see his development because I, I would tend to agree with you that right now, or at least based on what we saw last year, Talano Hufanga is not as good as a complete safety as Jaquaski Tart. Now, every player grows, every player develops. I think another mistake that a lot of people make is they ossify their takes. They think that like the way this player is in this moment is the way they will always be and they suck this one game and so they must suck forever. <laughs> he could get better. Right. And he could develop as a third year player. Um, third, right? If this is his third year, second year. I don't know. See, I'm at the game. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> um, but but I think that he can get better and he has some things to improve, especially as it comes to coverage. Coverage was really his weak point. He's good around the line of scrimmage. He's active. Um, I called him a high vibration player. He's like, he's always moving. He's always wiggling. Right. Um, and, and that, especially around the line of scrimmage, I think is, is good. But it, it really is his coverage that he's got to improve. And if he can do that, and the team thinks he can, I think, then then he could be a serviceable replacement. But based on what we saw last year, he really does have to focus on his coverage. I feel good about it. Like, he gives me a good feeling. And this may just be totally based upon the fact that he happened to recover the blocked punt against the Packers and run it in for a touchdown. He does strike me as like a guy. Oh, see, you're wearing the shirt. Oh, that is beautiful. That is outstanding work by you. Um <laughs> He does strike me as a as a playmaker, just a guy who's around the football a lot of the times, which is something that, especially at the safety position, I feel like 49er fans are crying out for that kind of player at that spot. Yeah, that that is something that I do think, you know, even Jimmy Ward, not really a playmaker. Right? Like he doubled up his career interceptions in one game last yeah. year. <laughs> and 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 Jawaski Tart similarly, right? So yeah, I do think that he he does have a nose for the football, but that always has been around the line of scrimmage, right? The block. The, the blitz where he ended up getting the sack, I think, on Aaron Rodgers. Like, those are all mm -hmm. around the line of scrimmage plays. Um, still yet to be seen whether he can make those plays um, as a safety and coverage. But I, I guess we're going to find out. The team has faith in him. I think sometimes, you know, you just the, – the team feels like this is the guy. We want to give him an opportunity. We want to move on. Uh, and, and I feel like that's the case with Talanoa, and, and they want to give him an opportunity. One of the things that I really enjoyed following last year was just sort of the development of D'Amico Ryans and of the Niners defense in general. I thought they were clearly much better at the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year. I thought D'Amico got his footing a little bit. You know, people just kind of they didn't think of your defensive coordinator having to get comfortable and evolve and develop throughout a year just like a player would. They were 72 percent zone last year, I think I read. Do you think that D'Amico will approach things similarly this year, or do you think he's going to mix it up a little bit? So I thought that D'Amico Ryans, especially early in the year, tried to lean more on man concepts and it bit him. 
the key example here was the game against Green Bay. Like we all remember, we're all like slot oh. fade, slot fade. Everyone's screaming slot fade. It's like you're Nicholas and man, what are you doing? And and then of course it just it happens like clockwork. He went back to more zone looks middle of the year. They got their footing, and then especially late in the year, he went back to more man looks, but he did it in high leverage situations. And this was really interesting to see where he would start deploying coverage looks and blitzes. He ran some sim pressures that the Niners never do. They didn't do them under Salah. They don't do them under, under Ryans. But he ran a couple of sim pressures against Green Bay in the divisional game. Um, and so he started really deploying more tricks and getting a little bit more exotic and really running against some of the tendencies in high leverage situations, third downs, fourth downs, late in the year. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. I think he's going to have more of those things at his disposal over the course of the year. So I think you'll probably see a, a little bit more man from his his calls, in part because the personnel is a little different. K1 it's Williams not Josh Norman who, out there? It's not Josh Norman, no. Um, and, and also K1 Williams, I think, is another player who, in the right system, is really good. And, and that system is a zone coverage corner. You don't want him to be manned up. And I do think that's maybe why the Niners are looking for a little bit different player in the slot, because that will allow them to play more man looks. Um, and you're absolutely right. I think D'Amico Ryan's developed over the course of the year, got better. Um, and and he came with a, a little bit of hype. Um, and by the end of the year, I think he um, he really met that hype. You know, PFF put something out um, and and they, they were looking at perfectly covered plays. And basis the percentage of plays that are perfectly covered. And, and D'Amico Ryans is basically right in between the two seasons that Robert Sala had in terms of getting his players to cover something perfectly. And I think that is both your player, right? But that's coaching too. That is getting your players in a position to succeed, getting into their spots and then perfectly covering uh, a play. And so I think that's just more, and he's really in the top third of the league uh, in terms of getting uh, perfect coverage plays out of his, his defense, which is why the team was able to succeed so much with you know it with the defense was greater than some of its parts i think um so yeah i think that evolution was was wonderful and i'm excited to see what he does in in, in this year i feel like that was the biggest difference between ryan's and sala was that sala did not come with those exotic type looks very often i feel like D'Amico was more willing to mix it up whereas sala was kind of like here's what we do but we're going to do it really well come and get it yeah, I mean, you see the, I think Ryan's or not Ryan's, but I think Salah did have some of those tricks, but you know, when every coach has their psychological grip, like when things are stressful, when it's a high stress situation, what are they going to do? Um, and I do think Salah went back to his base when things got stressful, the Super Bowl, chief among them, cover three, we all know what happened, third and forever, you know, and, and yeah, they knew so they we're, were aware of that, sport. thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm just here. This is going to be, I don't know when the last time I'm going to be on the mic is. I'm just going to remind everyone. You know, that uh, but, but I do think that Ryan's doesn't necessarily always go to tried and true when things get dicey. Um, and that's going to be interesting to watch. If I can flip things over to the offensive side of the ball, the whole 49ers universe has their eyes trained on Trey Lance. Um, I've, seemingly been talking about him forever i cannot get enough trey lance i will watch him do anything throw a football jog it whatever video i can get from practice this year i'm i'm looking at everybody's weighed in with their opinions i've seen some of the videos that you put out on him my question would be do you see any problems with trey that can't get better with experience it depends on what you think about a quarterback's accuracy and whether that can actually get better over time. 
and and there are you know there's a huge spectrum of, of people's beliefs and i do say it's it's beliefs some of which are backed by evidence some of, of which are not the and really it's about accuracy trey lance was not an accurate quarterback in college of the kind of premier quarterbacks that came out when he was drafted he was the least accurate of those quarterbacks and we saw some of those accuracy issues happen when he played in short stints this year now his finger was an issue but even before the finger injury, you still saw some of, I mean, his very first play, I think he like threw him in the ground, right? Um, probably more nerves than anything. But, um, but you know, that's something I think that you can work on and you can develop. If you believe that that can be improved, your tent pole is Josh Allen. And you say Josh Allen was not a super accurate player. And, and this is the guy that you're going to model as the development path for Trey Lance. He gets better, you know, maybe a little rocky year one and two, and then year three and four, you really see that quote take off. Um, but then you look at other players that have historically been bad in terms of accuracy and you look at like, you know, the Jake lockers of the world and they never get better when it comes to accuracy, irrespective of how much they play. Um, I, I do think that by and large, there hasn't been a comprehensive study about whether or not accuracy does get better. You also have to define accuracy. When I say he was the least accurate player of those four quarterbacks that came out of college, I'm talking about ball placement, not completion percentage. Um, and that was ball placement as it was tracked by PFF. So, so I think that there's, you know, if you believe that accuracy can be improved and you can work on that, then yeah, I think that that's, that's probably the area that is his biggest deficiency. And if you don't, if you think that someone's baked when it comes to accuracy, then, then, you know, you kind of have your answer, but I think overall, I'm excited to see his development. I think the team took the right swing um, yes. on traits and upside, right? Because yes, Mac Jones looked good, but the question you have to have about Mac Jones is like, is this Max Mac, Mac Jones? right? Is this the peak that you're going to get? Still good, right? Um, but but the Niners have their own version of like Cousins, Jones, you know, Garoppolo in that triumvirate of players that take advantage when things are open, but, you know, maybe not so much when things aren't. Um, and, and the best quarterbacks, the ones that put you in Super Bowl contention year after year, are the ones that are able to maximize when things aren't perfect. My stance with all of this, and maybe it's just trying to protect myself from disappointment, is just Assume that the player is who they're going to be for the most part. Yes, little tweaks here and there, but by and large, I don't think Trey Lance is ever going to be Drew Brees. But I think that playing quarterback sometimes is all about the worst thing you do. And my biggest gripe with Jimmy Garoppolo was just backbreaking, crushing turnovers in key situations. If Lance can avoid those, which it seems like for the most part in his career, he has done. I think that that's going to be at least good enough to equalize maybe some of the accuracy issues that he does have. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that the question that you're asking there is a little different, right? The question there is, what does Trey Lance have to be in order to be a successful quarterback for the 49ers? And I do think that no quarterback is, is perfect. Everyone's going to have their flaws, and it's how they operate within their system with those flaws. And, and yeah, I think that Trey Lance... It, you know, as long as he's not abysmally, you know, not accurate, <laughs> then, uh, then yes, I think that he doesn't have to do like, this is a quarterback friendly system. And, you know, I mean, Shanahan's out here getting people paid. He's getting Nick Mullins paid, you know, he's getting like, and by paid, I mean like actually having a job because I think <laughs> if Nick Mullins were not with Shanahan for the years that he was, I don't know that he would be in this league. He just he would not be right. And so I do think that this is a quarterback friendly system I don't think Trey Lance has to be Tom Brady or Josh Allen or Mahomes in order to 
be better than Jimmy Garoppolo um, and, and, and win a Super Bowl with the Niners. I do think that he's got some of those traits already. So, you know, it, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, I'm, I'm glad that the team took the swing and they're moving on. Um, and I mean, it's the, the, man, like every now and again, the players will get a question about Jimmy and it's like, I haven't talked to him in months, you know, or it's like QB one is Trey Lance, you know, like it's, it's very clear that they're going to move to Trey Lance. It's just a matter of when Jimmy Garoppolo is now formally off the roster. It feels like. I have two more questions for you. The first one is I have maintained that no player on the offense was held back more by Jimmy Garoppolo than Brandon Ayuk. I think that Ayuk is so much better than people realize. And I am hoping that this year we actually get to see some of that potential realized. Are you on that train with me? No offensive player was held back more. Um, I'd probably have to think of, of my, my Rolodex uh, of players for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I could see how Jimmy Garoppolo's play does not lend itself well to, to Ayuk. I think Ayuk maybe was held back more so by like Shanahan and his coaches because he wasn't getting, you know, he wasn't playing. It's kind of hard yeah. to catch footballs when you're not playing. <laughs> um, but, but I do think that in a more wide open offense, in an offense that will take advantage of speed and explosion, um, which I do think that Trey Lance's physical abilities will allow you to do, that you will and can get more out of Brandon Ayuk. Jimmy Garoppolo also had this trust thing where he only he trusted a couple of people. You know, I mean, we all knew third down was going to go to Kittle. I mean, Debo Samuel is someone he trusted. Um, Juice is someone he trusts on on rail routes down the sideline, whether or not he can complete the pass or not. Um, <laughs> but he he trusts he trusts those players in those situations. Um, I don't know why he didn't build that rapport with um, with Ayuk, but. I, I do think that you in in, a, in an offense that you can take some like legit shots downfield with, um, you know, you can start to take advantage of some of the speed that I get cast because he's really fast. He's a quick guy. He's got good route running skills. Um, I, I just do think that he is maybe the third or fourth option in the offense. And in a non pass heavy offense, your third or fourth option is just not going to eat a lot, you know, because option number one is running the ball. And then you've got Debo Samuel and then you've got George Kittle. And, and so at that point, then there's just not that much to go around. But, you know, I, I could see I could absolutely see that. And then finally, in terms of the offense as a whole, I, I think that some 49ers fans think that Trey is just going to be chucking the ball deep all the time. I don't necessarily think that's the case at all. The way Shanahan's offense is kind of built is that he sets those plays up. There is no just like random. OK, we're going to take a deep shot now. Like it's all about the sequence that came before so he can set you up to to bang on you deep later but i do think with trey you're going to see more power run plays maybe less outside zone more power run plays is that is that accurate yeah so i think there's there's a couple things there to unpack right one is the i think everyone assumes that shanahan's offense is this way and it will always be this way independent of mm -hmm. the quarterback he has i think shanahan has really molded his offense to what jimmy garoppolo does well when you look at the, the passing heat maps of the 2016 Atlanta Falcons and the 2020, 2021, whatever Niners, they look different, right? There are some similar hotspots, but along the sidelines and deep, there are much more, there's much more heat with the Falcons than there ever was with the Niners. And I think that's a function of the quarterback. So while I agree with you, I think that, you know, you're not going to see all of a sudden bombs away. This is not going to turn into an air Coriel offense where you're just running four verts and saying, pick a receiver and let's go. I, I do think that, there, there will be more intermediate stuff thrown, especially to the sidelines. 
Um, one of the routes that Julio Jones made famous is the blaze out route, right? And it's a counter to a specific route where that kind of runs like a, and, and it's, an in, it's a deep in breaking route. The counter is you cut that off and come back to the outside. Um, and Julio Jones made this famous. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Um, and Ted Nguyen did a really good write-up on this in The Athletic. Um, I do think you'll start to see more routes like that in the offense that is going to be part of the sequence that weren't there under Jimmy Garoppolo. He tried to throw a few of those, but he had to throw them with such anticipation and early enough that it was like, it was dicey. Um, but, <laughs> and this is where Ayuk shines, I think, too. And so I, I do think you're going to see a different complexion of throws, different parts of the playbook that are going to start to get used. Um, and, and so there may be similar things that you are going to be familiar with, and you're probably still going to see certain concepts, um, you know, burner and hiccup and things like that. But I, I do think that, that it will look different. And the power run game, um, I do think you'll see more, but the Niners were no stranger to the power run game, even under Garoppolo. They were a really diverse run game, especially later in, in their years. You, you had a lot of counter. You had a lot of power, a lot of gap scheme runs. I do think the quarterback counter is probably going to have its day. Um, and the quarterback power, those were some of the runs that, that he liked uh, at North Dakota State. And, and he, you know, he ran those with the Niners as well. So you'll probably see some more of that, some power football stuff. Yeah, but I, I don't know that. I think that the Niners are already kind of power football. Um, and so it's just going to be like a little extra spice on that. See, there you go. That's Oscar making everybody smarter. Oscar, I can't thank you enough for the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, please don't be a stranger. Anytime you get that itch and you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Anytime. That is good to know. I appreciate the standing invitation. Uh, and uh, I might take you up on that. Thanks, Oscar. By the way, you can follow Oscar on Twitter at Better Rivals. I'm on Twitter at Stats on Fire. And again, rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Thanks so much to Oscar Aparicio, former host of the Better Rivals Podcast. That's going to do it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to have two more guests for you while I'm out on vacation. Next up is Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus on Monday. He had a hot take on his podcast that Kyle Shanahan is not a top 10 head coach in the league. I'll talk to him about that. And on Wednesday, I'll talk with Evan Roberts of WFAN in New York. Why isn't Zach Wilson catching any of that Trey Lance shade? Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll talk on Monday. <laughs>